0: gentlemen welcome back to the true life podcast we are here with dr sam douglas he's a uh, interesting individual he's big on psychedelics he's big on language he's a philosopher we're going to learn a lot about him today we're going to have an interesting conversation like we always do i'm super excited to have you here sam why don't you introduce yourself to the people who may not be aware of who you are okay
1: so for people who don't know me um and i And that's probably most people in existence, you know, (laughs) I don't think I'm very well known. Um, Yeah. My name's uh, Sam Douglas. I'm, uh, yeah, as you say, I'm a philosopher. Uh, I'm the president of the Australian Psychedelic Society. Um, I'm, you know, a a freelance writer of of sorts and, you know, a content creator. Um, Yeah. um, I mean, what's to, what's to know? My background academically is in philosophy of language, so that's what I have my PhD in. Um, really niche, super niche area of arguing about um, about meaning, you know, about why why do particular words like attach to or refer to or mean particular things and not something else. It's a little kind of corner of analytic philosophy that people who get obsessed about, you know, Wittgenstein like to really kind of. <laughs> get very fired up about and i was i was one of them um i I don't know if it's i think it's a familiar story amongst amongst people who go on to do phds you come across a problem you know we we, you you know something comes up in your across your studies in your first degree and it's just something you can't let go of and the only way to get it out of your system is to uh is to do a phd about it and I can confirm that that it is well and truly out of my system now. I, I love I love language. I love philosophy of language. I don't feel compelled to, to do you know to do a huge amount more work on it um, after that. Um, but I guess you know it's something I can come back to. Um, in in terms of my interest in psychedelics and plant medicines, it's really just something I've always always been interested in. Um, I grew up on a farm. Uh, my Dad has worked as a horticulturalist and botanist. Uh, my mother was a teacher. So I was just always in an environment of being interested in in the natural world, interested in, in just plants and what they could do. Um, people who know me will, will know this anecdote is that when I was 12, um, I mean, other kids, you know, when they're 12, what are they asking for for Christmas? They want a bike, they want a skateboard, you know, they want something cool. I uh, When I was 12 for Christmas, I demanded that my parents buy me a book on permaculture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, um, and that's really what started me off. I got I got a copy of Permaculture one um when I was when I was 12 and then you know read that and then in the back section it's all about what these plants and what they can do like, Just just blew my little mind, you know, that that um you know that you could you could grow something and it could, you know. Treat physical ailments, or or mm. you know, uh, or feed cows, or or you know, you know the kind of yeah, you know, just all the things that you can do, kind of with the natural world, really kind of grew from there. And I think it was just my my interest in 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 I guess fringe things and and really unpicking. I, I guess it's like the story of, of of philosophy and psychedelics for a long time for me. It was kind of separate. It was you know. Mm interest in plant medicines and psychedelics is something that I've done kind of on my own time outside of my formal studies and outside of my professional life. Um, But it was always driven by just both of them are always driven by this kind of uh, just need to unpick really fundamental things about existence uh, and and reality. Yeah. So fast forward a a few years, quite a few years of, of teaching and, and, um, and and sort of you know just working in in the background on on things around plant medicines um i've had my phd i've taught professional ethics and critical thinking uh, in particular at university for years um without not with tenure obviously um uh, you know on, on that kind of ongoing adjunct basis that a lot of people find themselves in um and uh around the same, you know I'm, I'm working through this and still have my, my own interests and then uh you know and then COVID happens mm. uh, as um people who aren't familiar with with the university system in Australia about a third of our students here uh, are from overseas uh, who attend so when COVID happened all the overseas students went home uh and that meant that uh everyone who wasn't you know a kind of a secure everyone who didn't have a secure job uh in the university sector found themselves without work for sort of uh you know 6 12 18 months uh while all this was happening so i uh at this time was when i, I needed something to do was really at a loose end and wasn't earning any money uh so i um, i pitched uh third wave to do some writing for them um, so Paul austin's uh, uh, company um, just because yeah I just I needed something to do um, and that uh, I, at the same time as I was doing that um, uh, I went to uh, a, a mushroom day uh, that the psychedelic society here was was running um, and uh, they they reeled me in as a volunteer with you know, uh, promises of being able to do kind of advocacy work for them. Um, and yeah, these kind of things concurrently grew from there. I, um, yeah, I wrote quite a bit for quite a few blog posts and, and, and educational material for Third Wave with Paul. Um, and, you know, I now have my own content uh, business. Uh, that I, So I write professionally now for, for people who need psychedelic content for their websites and their blogs and things um and uh yeah uh after three years you know four years now in the psychedelic society i went from volunteering to being a member of the national committee to being vice president and to now into my second year of being president of of, uh, that organization Um, which is cool but i largely think is a function of knowing else no one else no one else wanted to do it Or <laughs> well, no one else was was you know um you know uh unwise or egotistical enough to, to do it i'm not sure uh, uh but yeah that's kind of how i i got to where i am it wasn't you know that's my, not not a, a smooth or kind of expected path but um it's interesting it's interesting now to be in a place where i can start to you know the last few years of having. Thinking about talking about psychedelics is a thing that i can do in a professional capacity i you know, i say professional most of my work that i do in psychedelics is volunteer i don't i don't um don't, you know i earn a little bit from writing but but mostly right. i do i just do for the love of it and and you know kind of the principle of the thing but yeah that's that's how i got to where i am and uh yeah i mean if it doesn't sound like it makes much sense, then you know I'm as mystified by the whole process as anyone. Honestly,
0: <laughs> it's like a it's like a psychedelic trip where we end up. You know, it's it's interesting where you end up where you end up on a psychedelic trip. If you take a handful of mushrooms, or you take an eighth or a quarter, whatever you're gonna take, you never end up in three hours where you thought you would be. And it's kind of like life. You know, you get to see things different. You get to participate in something that isn't what you expected, it seems like to me. And I. it may not seem like there's a path, but you've seemed to to mingle. You've seemed to marry language, one of your passions, and psychedelics, another passion. Like Somehow they've grown together with you writing for Third Wave. And shout out to Third Wave, great place to go and get facts, great place to go and do a lot of learning on psychedelics. I'm curious as to, you know, if we can talk about language and psychedelics, like what how do you think psychedelics has influenced language for a period of time? Has it changed the way you speak, changed the way you communicate or we can shift the gears and go into how it's maybe changed humans, ideas of communication, wherever you want to take it, man, you let me know. Yeah.
1: yeah. Look, it's a really big question. And right. I, I think it's, it's, how you answer that in, in some ways, it kind of depends on what do you how do you think language works or how, how like, um, what's going on sort of underneath. And I think it is, I think it has been, I think anything that influences, has an influence on people has an influence on our our language and vice versa. This is kind of the way I see it is this kind of loop of cause and effect that kind of turns back on itself where, um, you know, things that happen to us influence our our language, but our language also uh, has a huge influence just on how we... Think about things, how we see the world, how we kind of the structure of our thoughts and, and beliefs. Um, I mean, it's it's uh, it's like there's the the uh, you know the Wittgenstein quote, which is you know the the limits of my language means the limits of my world. Wow! So yeah. it's it's um, you know what you have if you don't have a word for something, um, then it's kind of it's it's kind of not a thing, but. <laughs> Um, but where you experience something new, then, you know, we naturally just kind of try and find a word or, you know, a tag or a label or something to put on it. Right. Um, so anytime that we are experiencing anything new, like it's just it starts this this process off of, of influencing, yeah, like just literally the world, you know, in the sense if you're going to be really kind of, like the world, you know, some people like you know, they don't like to think about the world outside of what we can kind of perceive. But when you perceive a new thing, like you're you're kind of propagating sometimes quite a, a bigger change than you necessarily think. Yeah, it's um it's an interesting thing. But yeah, um I think it's I think broadly, yeah, like you can see the I mean if you look at language and look at uh, just, you know, language and kind of how it intersects with popular culture, yeah. you can see kind of the ongoing effect of, of psychedelics, uh, particularly over the last sort of 50, 60 years has definitely uh, has definitely been a thing. And and I think what one of the places where it's really influential, and I have so many tangents in my head, so I'm trying to collect what yes. talk. Um, it's all good, man. Um, it's all good. Um, like one of the things that's the, one of the, the obvious influences uh and why I think I was always really attracted to, to psychedelics, you know, amongst many other things is it's showing you something new or something different or showing you that the world could be a different way than it is. And just kind of like in a way that no one's necessarily really thought about before. Um, and that's, um, so you have an experience of of something, you see something or you you think or feel something and and the process of, of trying to like what do you even call that? Uh, yeah. Like this really I think this is this really kind of takes our our cognitive abilities and our brains out to a kind of a, a place where they're not normally where they don't normally go. Uh, I mean, how often and I, I will come back to this. Yeah. Um I mean how often do you how often do you ever see something really new? Like how often do you ever see something that you've like that's just totally outside your experience um it's not for most people you know it's not that often like so you know when there's something really new or something so new that you don't even have a word for it or we don't have even have a word for it and you've got to try and construct something together from all the words we already have um like in some ways that's kind of like that's I don't know. It's really not, not the peak, but it's it's right out the at ed, the edge of our abilities. You know, where we are right out. You are right out on the edge of. Uh, you know, in some ways, you are right out, kind of on the, the the leading edge of knowledge and human experience at that point. So, I mean, if you look at it that way, um, every time someone, every time someone trips, um, you know, you, you're doing something kind of really profound. Um, but then also, this is this is like this are humans. This is what we do. Um, is is go through this kind of process it's just that modern life doesn't expose you to that as much maybe as it used to when you know we were just you know spreading across the world and 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 experiencing a whole bunch of stuff for the first time you know kind of as a species Um,
0: yeah yeah i agree i i think it's fascinating to think of and in I got a couple points that I wanted to drill down on. The first sure. is the first is that I thought it was fascinating when you said that the when you take psychedelics, it allows you to go places that you don't regularly go. And automatically in my mind, I I just line that up with maybe you're beginning to process information in different parts of the brain than you normally wouldn't. And that's kind of what allows you to maybe have these different thoughts. Like maybe if you are deciphering, you know, ideas in the visual court, like when you hear a sound, now it's getting processed in the visual cortex or when you see something, it's getting processed in Broca's area. And so you have this ability to like, Whoa, I've never seen sound before, or I've never seen that color. I've never heard that color before. Like you really get this idea of synesthesia and this ability to, and I think that that's where like the idea trip comes from. And when you start thinking about the words that were brought up in the sixties, like that's far out, man. Like that's a way of thinking like far out. Yeah. You're way out there. You're thinking about this thing that maybe you've never thought of in a certain way before. And like it, it brings me back to this idea of language and psychedelics and how it allows us to process See things, hear things in a different way, and uh, bring the second point I wanted to get your opinion on is this idea that you know maybe we don't see new stuff anymore because we're there's really no original ideas, right? Like you, maybe you notice when it comes to language. If I ask you to br- if I ask you to create, like let's just do a little quick thought experiment right here. Let's do this together, okay? Oh. I I want you to. Th- Speak to me and the viewers. I want you to tell. I want you to create a fictional monster and tell me what it looks like.
1: Fictional monster, all right. That uh, someone, no
0: one's ever seen before.
1: No one has ever seen before. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's hard. To, <laughs> you know, I will overthink this because I overthink oh, everything. A, that's all right. <laughs> <It's really fun. laughs> yeah, yeah, like. You know, I like to to go with, I don't know, something I don't know, you can think of something, uh, I can think of something amorphous. Okay. Uh maybe, you know, uh, like uh and I already know see, I know where you're going with this. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Something that's uh yeah, that's it's like the uh, I don't know if you've seen see see we're already going there. Have you seen like the magnetic ferrofluid yeah, stuff? <laughs> Whereas that living black liquid uh, that's kind of uh, geometric but but moving and organic. I don't know. That's that's the kind of you know that's that's what springs to mind for me. Yeah, that sounds good. Black, it's shiny. It
0: moves. You know. Okay. Um, okay. It so oh, yeah, yeah. nice. That's good. <laughs> that's good. Here's one of our comments that someone put up. <laughs> someone put up a giant floating anus with flowers springing. <laughs> See, it okay, doesn't matter. We can make up whatever we want. The yeah, point. Yeah. The point I was talking was that we can we can make up something, but it's not original. We're just taking pieces of something we already know and putting it together. It's not necessarily an original idea because I don't know if we can have an original idea like we can't make up something brand new we just it's maybe we can't but it seems to me most of the time we just take parts of this the springing flowers or part of this fluid like we can take ideas and put up rearrange them any way we want and come up with a different idea but it's not necessarily an original brand new idea and i think that's important because yeah That is where psychedelics come in. I think psychedelics allow us to potentially come up with something new instead of just taking things and rearranging them, which it can help us do that as well. But I think psychedelics allows us to be way out there on that edge and maybe cast a net and pull something back from the abyss that no one's seen before. And that's that seems to me be what's happening when language fails. If you've ever been on like a deep trip before, whether it's LSD or mushrooms or, you know, any of these analogs, like 4ACODMT or these DPTs or whatever, if you go way out into that, to the abyss, you know, you see some things out there. There's no words for. You see some things out there that you're like, oh man, I better hide from this thing, you know? But I think the trick is to try to bring something back from there. And when you do that, you can bring back an original idea. What do you think about that? Is that crazy or what? No, I don't think it's...
1: Look, to back up a bit, I mean if we're okay. thinking about what's what you're gonna count as I mean, you know, I mean, this is a my my bad as my favorite bad habit from my years of studying analytic philosophy is my supervisor who always used to say it was well, what exactly do you mean by this? You know? I mean <laughs> So you know, a lot of this is going to be around what kind of what kind of border do we want to draw around the you know around what right. counts as new? But I get your point. Okay, like there's okay. there's new as in I mean any combination any random combination of things that we already know is technically new if it's a combination no one's ever tried sure. before. And then that's sure. interesting sometimes because sometimes it'll do what you expect, but then sometimes your, your random combination of stuff we know does things that we don't expect. You know, um, but yeah, look, I think the point is 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 probably at least partially right where when you're if you're if what we if the stuff we're assembling is all based on things that we've heard or we've experienced you know we're just we might be having novel combinations of things but we're all using the same building blocks you know a normal everyday life you know uh, for a lot of the time but when you throw psychedelics in the mix then yeah, maybe you're you're trying to you you might be assembling something, but you right. just you've just bought yourself a new bag of Lego, you know, or whatever. <laughs> um, and and you know you've got a whole bunch of bricks that are now just not the colors that you had before. Right. You know, so so you you're you might be pulling something back. Yeah, and it is is that's that's different. I mean, I don't know that I've. I mean, part of like some of the things, some of the things that I think are being most kind of really mind melting that I've experienced haven't really been sort of uh, the product of psychedelics at all. I think that, you know, my, I think my dreams, you know, are, are just have, you know, I've probably been weirder and harder to integrate than, than any trip that I've had. Um, but I mean, to see something, you know, the things that are really uh, new or have a thing that you, that you under a thing that you intellectually understood like to kind of experience it or see it sort of illustrated in a very immediate way is just, um, is is yeah is is a really really wild thing. I mean, I think um, I mean the one that I always remember, the most kind of intense thing I always remember is is um, under the influence of of, of you know a really like immoderate amount of of salvia extract and and um, having an experience of that. I the only thing that I could really bring back was um, kind of an experience of. of of time as kind of an, as, as an extension or a distance being in a place where, where, you know, another, where we were, you know, where the past and future were just kind of over here or over there, um, yeah. which is a really like, but trying to, you know, I spent like a couple of years trying to work out how to kind of articulate that, that well, you know, um, but yeah, I think when you have, uh, I think psychedelics can, can show you, yeah, can, you haven't experienced or see something you haven't haven't ever seen before. And there's a thing that we kind of do, and I guess it's, it's, I think about this the way that I, it's kind of how I think about it is informed by how I think about language works, in particular how kind of reference and, and, you know, how words sort of attach to things. It's this idea where, um, like, you know, a phone refers to this thing rather than this thing like there's a real kind of cause and effect process that that happens like there's a real sort of history of how we've used a particular word and that's that's kind of why words refer to particular things and you know the roots of all of, of language are really hidden very deep you know I mean we don't usually get to experience them um and uh, there's a, one of the like examples that philosophers of language talk about I say philosophers of language you know this is something that like a dozen people in the world kind of read about or really care <laughs> about, but there's there, one of the accounts of, of language that people talk about um, or reference that they, talk, they call it it's called the causal causal theory of reference. It's basically just like the word tiger, right? The word tiger refers to the big stripy things with teeth because some stage in the very, very distant past, uh, you know, a person from a particular language group well, I've seen, you know, been making their way across maybe what's now modern day India and, and saw the big stripy dangerous animal and went, right, we are going to call that. We're going to, you know, I think we need a name for this thing. So we're going to call it a tiger. And, you know, that kind of once someone's decided what a thing is called, that name sort of propagates out, you know, or the name for a class of things propagates out really? sort of via language, it spreads. And that's, if you're looking, you know, if you want to give an explanation of why tiger means that sort of animal um, and not something else, you kind of look at that history of how it's been used and it goes back to that that kind of, eventually it goes back to a point where someone looked at a thing or a class of things or a collection of things and went, yeah, we're going to call these things that, that's the label we're going to slap on that. Um, and what's interesting about that is that, Whenever you do that in normal everyday life, not that we get to do that very often anymore, but whenever people have been going through this process, like you always have some idea of what it is that you're naming, right? Like if you if you see a tiger for the you know someone someone you know hundreds of thousands millions of years ago sees a tiger for the first time, it's it's definitely not going to be the first animal they've ever seen. It probably isn't even the first cat they've ever seen, you know. Um, so. You're giving this new thing a name, but you already have a bunch of categories. You already have a bunch of these bricks to kind of build up a new word, and you, you get the concepts are already there. Like you already have these kind of background concepts of this is an animal, it's a carnivore, it's you know it looks like it looks like other cats I've seen, but it's bigger and it mm-hmm. eats you. Great. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> the right. Yeah. Yeah, right. So you have you build this this kind of concept of what a tiger is. You already have some blocks to build that. Um, as, so the theory goes. But when you have a psychedelic experience, when you see something really new, really, really new, um, where maybe you don't even have those that collection of background concepts to put together to make, like, a a bundle of what this thing is so you can stick the label on it, like, that's kind of where... I think that a lot of the psychedelic experience, that's what's going on there, is... You just you're seeing something just utterly so new that you don't even have a complete set of concepts to kind of put together a definition for what you know what just happened to me. <laughs> right. Um, and and I think that's kind of where you know you're in unpacking that and integrating that, and you know you're doing some really kind of creative work in in what. You know, how, what do you call that? How do you, how do I process this? You know, what about, yeah. what, what, what happened? What did I see? What are these? What are the concepts? So, for some people, and in some, some experiences that are really out there and confounding, um, I think it's kind of part of the, you know, the after processing and the integration, where you have to really think hard about, you know, you've got the thing, and and you have your your collection of all the words, all the concepts, and it's just sometimes it's really hard to find things to put on it to to put together what's happening and yeah like that's a really from a linguistic point of view and from that kind of philosophy of language point of view like that's a thing that's really as i say it's really out on the edge of of our experience and not something that modern people get to get to do very often but you do get to experience it when you you trip or or the really cool thing that, that i've experienced is also is looking at a normal everyday object and having temporarily just kind of lost the concept for what it mm. is, um, another another story, which is actually kind of embarrassing but funny at the time. <laughs> the um, many many years ago, the first time I took LSD, uh, I was of course you know I mean it's, as an aside, it's really funny now because you know people that it's intentional, and we talk about you know you set your intentions you've talked to someone about it, you've done your research, you've got an integration therapist, you know, ready to roll (laughs) afterwards and stuff like that. Um, You know, this is over 20 years ago now. Uh, I went to a house party where I knew like two people, um, bought some acid off a guy that I'd met five minutes ago. Right, right. I'm with you. You know, like the normal, normal thing that people really do. Um, I say normal, but, but anyway, I'm um, there <laughs> at this party, you know, and um, sitting outside, you know, uh, out, out on the porch with a bunch of people, just, you know, uh, you know, the acid sort of has has really set in in, in earnest. So we're just sitting out out in the you uh, know nice cool night, um, you know, having a smoke while while the acid's really sort of coming on. Right. And I look across the table. So uh, 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 you know, again, someone I've met just this night sitting across from me, and it just it just sort of snuck up on me, and all of a sudden, I'm just staring at at his at his arm. I'm like, what is this thing? This is something, something. That's, it's on his on his arm, and I don't understand. I'm just, it was just like, I had just completely lost a whole bunch of concepts. So I'm just I'm like, right. so, and, and all of my sense of self awareness. So I get up. Walk around the table to the other side. I'm just staring at this guy's arm, uh, and you know, by now conversation has utterly stopped. There's just a bunch of people just staring at me, <laughs> looking at this guy, and and you know, I'm just looking at it and i like, looked at him. I'm like, what is this? You know, <laughs> he's like, dude, that's my watch.
0: That is funny. Uh, sorry, and then I'm
1: just like, yeah, yeah, it is. And then, you know, step back. back to it. and I'm just like, oh, yeah. but but it was that thing where, yeah, just for a second, it was just like, I'm just, and so that's a thing that, you know, thing that you don't often get to, you know, experience that, that or you've or you experienced it, you've experienced it lots when you're a child, but you, right. you kind of forget that, you know, the absolute utter, utter, mind-blowing wonder of seeing something um like completely new um i think these things kind of fit together there's just this um but that's really like you you push whether it's i mean i don't know how the cause and effect of this goes in your brain right like so it's is it do i feel like i'm seeing something new because of kind of that no default mode networks kind of shut Mm. down or quieted and your brain's just you know, interconnecting and firing in a really different way. You know, is that causing the experience of seeing things in you? Is it the experience of seeing things in you that's causing, you know, that effect in your brain? I don't like. I, you know, I can I will leave the science to it to a scientist. I think in in that regard. But um, but yeah, like those those things is that seeing stuff in you. But you can like, it's it's, you know, this isn't a precise process of of, of, of having a new thought about something, you know. I mean, yeah, it's a really it's an interesting learning experience to, to have that, my particular experience, but it didn't cause me to have any particularly brilliant new thoughts about watches. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> you know? Even though it's, it's something that I go back to kind of as an educator and, I, and I, I think about that experience a lot when I think about teaching and how I teach and, and, and stuff. But, yeah, you can kind of something whatever it is that's happening in your brain allows you to to access things you know to, to see things in you or see something you haven't seen before and it's that that process like it's a really creative process that happens after after this and that's where you can really start to kind of have a have a thought you know have an idea that no one's had before because you've you can really have an idea that no one's had before because maybe you've really seen something yeah that no one says no one said well you know you don't know you don't know what ideas other people have had you don't know what experience other people have but if you go off if you're basing it on you know uh have an experience and you you look at this and you go look i don't have a lot of words for what happened to me there just aren't a lot of words in my language and there are not a lot of concepts you know in my language for what happened to me i think you know it's fair to say that you're probably having you're probably you know having a pretty unique experience but again this this loops back if we come back this loops back in onto the language so like you know um we have we have words for these things now when you get kind of into you know into the corners of sort of uh, dmt or 5meo dmt sort of culture there's like there's these words and concepts and and, and bits where people are kind of they're painting out this area of language an experience that, that we didn't have before um you know um
0: whether that's you know sort of
1: uh you know uh ego death or self-replicating machine elves or or, or whatever you know um you know there's this and this you know this comes back so there's a bit of the world we've created it not created we have, have we created have we just described it you know <laughs> i'm ambivalent on the kind of the metaphysics of this but but um either way something has happened and it's something that you know um hasn't happened before at least hasn't happened before you know in our in our culture or in our language group Yeah.
0: yeah that's i really like that story and i really like the way you described it and it makes me think of a lot of different things and i hope everybody well let me take that back i hope that the people that are willing to have an experience on psychedelics, get to have an experience like that. In some ways, it seems to me that, you know, maybe we have destroyed or better yet covered up a lot of the world with our language. And on a trip like you had, when you got to see his watch, it's almost like the ideas that were given to you by whoever, however many times the word watch was repeated, however many times you've seen an actual watch like that, particular construct was wiped away and you got to see it again for the first time in a way and that that's why it was so amazing to look at but what is this thing and maybe what happens in those particular modes when you lose the construct of language but you still see the item maybe you're maybe you're getting to reconstruct it again for the first time for yourself and that's what allows you to find the new parts maybe you're you're putting it back together like when you went from like staring at it to snapping back and like, Oh yeah, it's a watch. Maybe in that period of time, you got to rebuild your idea of what a watch is. Like, you know, you're so involved in it. You're staring at it. And then as you, as you snap back and you can still remember that story today, maybe that happens with a lot of things in our life. And, and it just seems to me that the psychedelic experience, the way you described it allows people to have another chance at seeing things again for the first time, or seeing things again anew, and a lot of possibilities come out of that, right? Totally, totally.
1: And I think this is like, I think if you can if you can direct this, and this is again where yeah, maybe you know a bit of a attention point. can kind of mm-hmm. can direct this. This is this is, and I mean from from what I've read and, and people I've talked to, this is a big part of 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 what happens or what can happen in psychedelic assisted therapy, or right. what can happen. Um even whether it's psychedelic, whether it's you know clinical psychedelic assisted therapy or whether it's um just just you know the healing that people can experience outside of a strictly right. clinical setting. Um, because I've heard lots of people, both you know, actual clinicians who are doing sort of uh psychedelic research talk about this, um, but also a lot of people who are who are sort of uh are work with people you know sort of at retreats or out you know facilitators who work outside of a a clinical space uh, they also understand this that you you can kind of um you can strip things away and i think you know um this is particularly where people will talk about uh 5meo dmt because it's so kind of powerfully just you know it very powerfully and quite specifically in some ways um undoes your concepts of self um, so, uh, yeah, you can kind of get to, um, you know, have an opportunity to, to kind of temporarily lose, you know, some, some, uh, concepts about yourself, but psilocybin, you know, magic mushrooms will, we can do that too. Um, but you know, to, to kind of, to maybe not lose, maybe it's just your brain temporarily bypassing, right. you know, that these, these things, I'm not sure either way you get a chance to, you know temporarily bypass or forget or, or lose these certain concepts you get you know an opportunity to re- to reconstruct them from scratch but even if you don't get quite that far you get the opportunity to sort of take a step back and, and sort of see them like as a, as a you know have some distance from them rather than just be a thing that's kind of immediate you don't think about this this is just who i am this is just how my life is you know if you think about it at all and step back and go ah oh, well yeah you know i do do that and i do think that way but does it have does it you know again it's this you know it's a possibility does it have to be this way you know or if there's something about the world that has to be that way because the you know, the, the truth is is that there is just is some stuff you can't change um if if it does have to be that way then do i have to feel about it the way i feel about it mm. or or if it is something about the world that i can't change um and I am going to continue to resist it because again as a side note this is a thing that, that I think humans do like there's just we 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 it's just in us that we struggle against ridiculous odds we re, we refuse to accept that something's in like our history is the history of a species who just refuses mm. to take no for an answer and refuses to accept something like how many how often in history people no, that's impossible you will never do we will never do that that'll never be achievable um and yet you know, here we are, you know, the product of a bunch of, of, of you know, social and cultural and technological things that were always at one point seen as impossible. So this is just a thing we do. But, you know, if, if I'm going to struggle against this thing that's seemingly impossible, you know, do I have to beat myself up about it? No, probably not. Because, like, that's just, this is, you know, I'm not going to... I, I will resist, but I'm not going to resist my resistance, you know. Um, so, yeah, like, you can... Yeah, there is an opportunity... Yeah, there is that opportunity to rebuild, you know, things about yourself or re re recontextualize things about yourself, and that's I think what's really powerful in terms of, of personal work and 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 healing and, and and therapeutic kind of potential for psychedelics for sure.
0: Yeah, it's you know, there's so much to think about when it comes there, and and first off, I. I want to commend you on explaining it like you you're great with language. I really like the way you are able to describe I've things. Put a lot of effort into it. <laughs> yeah, I, it's it's very refreshing and I, I appreciate it. Thank you. It's it's nice to talk to somebody that can explain things that way and, and paint pictures in the minds of people. So it's 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 very entertaining for me. I'm I'm curious if you think the sit like when we think about concepts whether it's a wristwatch or it is a situation in your life where you were abused we spoke about how psychedelics can strip away what was and allow you to redefine that situation and we also talked a little bit about there's things that you can't change it seems like the concept of time is right in between there and you would talk you had told us a story very briefly about salvium and time in the future and the past i think in the world of psychedelics there's a lot of people who have found themselves moving between times, whether it's seeing a version of themselves in the future or seeing a version of themselves in the past or seeing themselves from a third person point of view. I'm wondering in your opinion, how how do you think that the idea of psychedelics and language and time interact with each other? Why does it seem we can move through time on high doses of psychedelics?
1: Yeah, look, that is something that I don't think I have a good answer to, you know, <laughs> uh, because to this day, like my experience, like it was really, like it's a really immediate, profound thing. Like it's not, and it's that. was before I had this experience? I mean, I'd read, uh, I'd read the Spirit Molecule. I'd, you right. Know, I, I, I knew, and I, and I, I was really struck, you know, many, many years before I ever, you know, uh, had had tried DMT, by, you know. The language where where you know Strassman's talking about people's accounts of DMT. It's not like you know they're very they're adamant. This really happened to me. You know, yeah. The, what I experienced. This is a re. I, I really experienced a really, you know, different thing. Not that I you know it wasn't like a, I had a hallucinations. I I went to this place. I met these beings. I had this you know. So even though this was not this was not a DMT experience, this is like something very different um and in some ways much um for me really like uh, I don't know it's just just um like beyond like I should have been terrified but I was too too distracted <laughs> to, to be you know didn't even occur to me to, to you know um, to be worried that you know I'd sort of somehow wandered out of normal space and and was in a place you know uh, yeah where where it was just you uh, I can't even really i can barely describe what it looked like it was just you maybe know, maybe, maybe tell us start start off tell us the whole experience no, make, the whole experience make sure the whole experience that. i mean again this is me um if you are going to use salvia you know people watching at home please do this in a more intentional and responsible manner than <laughs> i did all my best stories are from when i was you know or most of my best stories are from when i was i was young and much less cautious i say i say i was young i was like Yest- I yesterday yesterday uh, yesterday you know it was like <laughs> last week you know um <laughs> This was, again, some years ago. Um, I, this is back when, I mean, it's really, you know, a ridiculous situation in Australia is now that, that salvia is illegal here. Um, uh, so I haven't, haven't used it for many years. But at the time when I had this, it was, it was still legal. Um, I'd been, uh, someone had, uh, I'd swapped a bit of cactus for a cutting uh, with, you know, with someone. So I'd been growing this at home, had huge amounts of it. Um, and so, you know, and I'd made a, an extract and I'd, I'd used a bit, but really, I was just a bit scared, to be honest. There's no other way, you know. I was, I was just scared to really, really, you know, right. break through on it. Um, and I'd gone around, I'd gone over to a friend's place, you know, had a few beers, smoked a joint, uh, wandered home back to my my, cause this was back to my house. I was, uh, I think, it was my second or third year of university at the time, so I was living in a, in a share house with a bunch of buddies, um, one of whom basically didn't sleep. Uh, so I wander back at like two in the morning. Uh, uh my friends sitting up uh you know on the computer uh gaming and all like, right right uh, I need someone to sit for me. So you know let's let's um get the bong out. Let's do this. <laughs> you know um nice. Yeah uh, it's like so you know uh, he uh you know he just he just I sat there he just kept packing uh <laughs> packing bowls of, of 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 this uh homemade salvia extract for me uh and you know i was just sucking it down so i think i got to about the third bowl of this i think it was about five times extract that i would made and i just everything just kind of you know i guess just really fine grained pixelation and just flew apart you know um, from his perspective, he just basically takes the bong off me and I lay on his bedroom floor, <laughs> um, you know, uh, mumbling stuff about maths, you know. But um, um, I really, I don't really get much, it was very, there was no transition. It was just I'm here and then I, I mean, uh, uh, a place, as I say, it's kind of, I have a real, my only visual recollection is from this kind of, uh, I guess, three-dimensional fields of sort of golden light um, but and uh, a real sense of like you know I wasn't alone but I wasn't not alone Um, my sense of self was pretty thin you know at this at this point but I was really struck by the fact like I just instinctively knew that when I looked over there that was a different time and that was a diff that was kind of a different place in in kind of in in time and that here where i was you know i as a disembodied consciousness kind of in this place where where i was closest to me was was closest to now and then other places in a really non-linear fashion it wasn't like it was kind of you know there's the past there's the future it was just it was just kind of like that you know different directions up down over there over here were just different places in time and yeah if you wanted to go to a different place in time you just had to go over there and then you're at a different place in time um and like that's really you know a lot a long period of time of that of a period of time that was either no time at all or, or an infinitely long amount of time. I don't know, you know, <laughs> um, you, know uh, it's, you know, there was no sense of time because like it was just, yeah, that was just what was happening. But it was just so, it was just that, it was just very instinctive in the way that I would look, you know, in the way that you look at something down the street, you just instinctively have this sense of how space and extension works because that's what our brains do in everyday life. It was just like that. It was just like, oh yeah, that's that's over there. But me just going, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then you know, um, I, I, you know, it just kind of as quickly as it came on, it just sort of went, and it was and it was uh, gone. And <clears throat> I was lying on the on on my friend's bedroom floor, uh, you know, uh, with him, you know. Uh, like, are you a rush? You know, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, that was. And I, I went, no, that's that is enough for tonight. I'm going to bed. <laughs> um, and then, and then, uh, you know, as an aside, and and people who, again, people who are familiar with salvia will know the feeling. It was just the, the feeling for the next sort of four or five days of just. I think it really, really kicked my ass. You know, uh, yeah. Like that was that was it was a feeling, and again. This is the thing that people are, uh, uh, we're instinctively quite good at, you know, the feeling of being watched, you know, you know, when you feel like someone's looking at yeah. your shoulder, feeling yeah. of being watched. Everywhere I went for like the next sort of few days, even when I was by myself, I would literally be walking to, walking to university. Uh, I'm There's no one else around anywhere, you know, uh, and, and still having a feeling, that feeling in between your shoulder blades, like someone's, like someone's watching you, you know, so I um. You know that was um, that was not something I repeated again in in a hurry. or was was felt inclined to repeat again in a hurry because this is an experience that took yeah. me a, like a long time to kind of I grasped the time thing immediately. Like and that but that that's hard to process in itself to have a really immediate experience that just not like everyday life. Yeah. Something and and yeah um yeah you know and it was again and this is a thing very much later found that a lot of people consider that you know um, doing extracts and and you know uh smashing huge amounts of of of, <laughs> of extract smoking it but i've even heard people tell me that 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 it's considered you know disrespectful to the plant to 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 even smoke salvia so uh whether or not you subscribe to that you know um you know is is you know that's a matter of, of i don't know i don't know how to settle that that uh Argument, but um it's safe to say that I, you know, I, I approached this very incautiously and it worked out okay for me in, in the yeah. end. Yeah, but that's yeah. by more by good luck than design, I think. But yeah, it was just that was a really it was a really strange thing. And you're right, like time is people people experience things from their personal past or from a relative's past. Like people, it's not uncommon for people to have experiences or be shown experiences, or yeah. illustrations of things of their of ancestors you know, or or you know, what they the things that they can, you know, are or, or that they interpret as past lives because, you know, I, I don't know if they're really experiencing past lives or, or not. But yeah, um, but yeah, things from other times or and I mean, I don't know, I think I've always felt like I have a kind of a weird I always felt like I have a, a weird experience, my my relationship time feels different now because I never feel like I mean, I don't feel like the past and the present are really that far away. Do you know what I mean? I, you know, now I kind of in my brain, I'm like, they're they're just they're really just kind of there. That, that ten years ago, it's it's, you know, it's it's just as close to you as ten minutes ago. Really, in a lot of ways, and so is ten minutes in the future, ten years in the future. Like, there's there's a sense in which I don't know. I I sometimes yeah. You know, you just sort of think, and it's that we don't always realize that, but sometimes I th- I wonder if it's that thing where you 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 ever wake up, and you turn around and you go, like, where did the last decade go? You know, um, you know, yeah just, you know, am I I mean I also do sort of sometimes, you know, think things that are probably strange, right? Okay, you know, is it really now or am I just remembering now in ten years time? <laughs> I don't do that it's not 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 often but but you know it's um but yeah the the idea of, of like of time and because like the yeah the the we are we seem to be we seem to be sort of we seem to experience time in a particular way and we seem to kind of uh, perceive it in a particular way um but uh, you know is this real is this is this kind of what's actually happening out in the world is it? Is uh, because you can kind of, you know, mathematically from a certain viewpoint, um, you know, you, the, the the universe, you know, you know, just in its entirety, over space and time, just is, you know, yeah. from from one perspective. So there's just, you know, your whole life, if you when you step outside of time, um, everything that's that's that exists, you know, like I oh, yeah, across your lifespan like it exists you know it, it always existed and always exists from a perspective outside of time which is you know interesting it's not yeah. particularly useful for beings that largely exist from the perspective of being inside of time but but it's, it's you know i don't know that's the kind of stuff i think about based on that that experience you know yeah yeah yeah
0: that's fascinating like i i love it man that is awesome it it reminds me of some of, some of the experiences that I have had in a similar way and some crazy – like some – I have some similar thoughts. Let me share one with you that I have been thinking about sure. lately that kind of pertains to that. I, for some – I'm getting ready for an interview where I'm going to talk about the book Flatland. Have you ever heard, read that book? I haven't, but, I've heard, but I, I, yeah, I, I've heard of it. I know of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so for the people who may just be listening to this, the book Flatland is about dimensions, and it's a story about a lot of people that live in line world. And they're only seeing like this one dimension, but line world, this guy from line worlds ends up going into another dimension where he sees like a, a three dimensional or a, a a two dimensional and then a three dimensional square, but he doesn't have the words to describe it. And so he's like, Whoa, look at this. I, I can't even, you know, it's like mind blowing to him. And so as I was reading that book, I began thinking about dimensions and, you know, one, two and three dimensional. And I'm like, man, maybe time is the fourth dimension. And then, you know, I started, there was a cup much like it was actually a cup like this one that was on my table. And I said, yeah, that's, that's the dimension right there. That cup is both there and not there depending on what time it is. Like if it's a hundred years from now, that whole table won't even be there, but that spot will still be there, you know? And, and then once I began going down that rabbit hole, it led me to this experience this morning where I was packing my daughter's lunch for school and I packed her, her little, her little lunch. And I I put it on the stairs and then I put it in her, and then I, I, I took the stuff out to the car and I realized, hey, wait a minute. I don't know if I packed her folder or not. And so then I was looking all around the house for the folder and I go, I could have swore I had it here just a second ago. And I went back out of the car and it was in her bag. And I probably just didn't realize I put it in the bag, but in my mind, I was like, I just imagined it was in the bag and now it's there. You know, it's in this weird. I know it's kind of a roundabout way of thinking about time and objects and space that may or may not be there. But, you know, in my mind, it was like I had just imagined it was gone, but then I imagined it was in her bag and so it was in her bag. I don't know if I did a good job of explaining that, but
1: it's interesting to think about. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: And like, then it it makes me think, okay, can I do that more often? Is it possible that, let's just pretend that, I did do that. Let's pretend that the the folder that I just imagined it was in her bag and so it was. Can I use that in my life? Can I imagine on some level that, you know, can I just imagine something happening and then make it come true? And then you get into this idea of how, how powerful visualization is. And it's kind of the same thing. Like if you want to create something in your life, the first thing you have to do is visualize it, and in my own sort of way, it was the manifestation of a visual thing that I had put in her bag or whatever. I know it's kind of a roundabout way, yeah. but you know, oh, it's, it's it's fun to think about.
1: Fun to think about. I mean, it could have, you know, or you just put it in her bag and you forgot that you did. You know, uh, more than likely, <laughs> I did that. More
0: than likely, yeah. I did that. But it could have been the other way. So strange
1: a world. Look, it could have been. I think there is, there is probably, if it were possible, there would probably be no met you know technology or no technique or nothing more tempting than the ability to to rewrite your past even in a right. minor way right um and you know for that reason i would approach discussion of it really carefully because right. i mean like you know i mean like that would be a great thing you know you want to you want something that, that you know people will will uh yeah go nuts for it would be that um but um, yeah, like it's yeah, it's a, it's an interesting it, w- it would be an interesting thing, but also like in the same way, I don't know. Time time is and yeah you know, is is a it's complex yeah and you know and if you could I mean, uh, I mean if, if people could do it you know maybe we would have noticed maybe maybe you know maybe it, it's just you know it's already happened and and. You know, this is this is the world that is the you know the the result of everyone rewriting their past. Yeah, <laughs> I would hope okay. they could, I would hope that they would do a better job of it than this. But you know, um, people being people, um, would probably make a mess of it. Uh,
0: okay, let, let's think about it like this. Let's let's yeah. let's think about it from a therapy point of view. The same way people get over traumas is they're kind of rewriting their past, right? They're ascribing different meaning to it. Like, you know, let's say that, you know. I'll give you an example of my life. When I was younger, I was abused in some ways. And for a long time, I went through therapy and I, you know, I had all these things that that gave me different tools to think about it differently. And it's interesting how you can go from feeling like a victim to feeling like, okay, because this thing happened to me, I'm going to love people more than I ever have before. So even, even though this horrible thing happened to me, guess what? Now I found a way to rewrite it as something that is a tool for a better life for me, and if people that have had traumas in their life can rewrite the meaning of that event, aren't they changing that event in the past in some way?
1: You could you could see it like that. I mean, I think it's I think there is an important division to make between yeah, Again, <laughs> okay, again, like my my academic background, you know makes me kind of addicted to precision you know nice and good that so i think change the context of it but you know you you know did you changed did you change what happened the thing still happened uh, you can maybe change right. how you feel about it you change how you interpreted it
0: the meaning of it but maybe not the, the meaning event. of
1: it but you didn't change you know the event still happened
0: mm, um, that's a good point um,
1: so um and you know like you know, hey you know if you know how to make you know if you know how to change the event that happened, you know in, in the past then um well'll share you know <laughs> but, but, uh, but you know i think it's I think it's a different thing it's it look is interesting to think about again uh it's complex uh most of I say it's complex. Most of what I know about time is is I have learnt from science fiction rather than from right, actual right, study of physics or philosophy of time. <laughs> I, re- I read I have read exactly one book on philosophy of time. I didn't understand most of it, uh, and you know I have two degrees in philosophy, so <laughs> it's it is it is interesting. And the, the 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 sort of the thinning of of at least the again is it is it what's hard and what's a challenge for for psychedelics and I think I see that is it's under underlying a lot of what we see that's written about it is still like it presents this kind of metaphysical challenge for us because you know is is you know what kind of level of reality do we ascribe to our experiences mm. um, does this tell us you know does this really kind of illustrate this idea that, and we know, we biologically know that this is probably true, that our, our normal perceptions, like, we don't necessarily perceive the world as it really is. Right. Because, because that is neither, it's not necessary, it's not even helpful. So <laughs> we you don't need to perceive everything equally kind of important. You just need to know about, you know, food, shelter, animals that can kill you. Reproduction, you know, we have evolved, right. like all, all life. As you know, it's much more, you know, efficient. You can't be, you know, it's like standing there, you know, obsessed with the amazingness of your own hands and, and get, and then uh, that tiger from before, right. you, know, it eats, it you, you know, because you know, it's like my hands are as important as the, you know, five hundred pound death machine that's that's coming straight for me, you know. No, you know, um. The people who thought that way didn't make it, um, <laughs> by, by much, um, except for being protected by the rest of their their communities. So, I think, but it does. But psychedelics present us with this this, this challenge because, yeah, we it's difficult. It's difficult to kind of think like that. The, the experiences, particularly uh, again, I think DMT is probably the worst. You know, the 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 uh, uh, the the biggest presents some of these biggest challenges. Is you know, the these you know these entities are real are these places are real dimensions real and it's very much it's much more scientifically and, and, and intellectually respectable to say well, well of course they're not you know um and and not kind of uh worry about that or, or to you know we can do some hand waving about you know removal of you know perception filters or something and and it's it's all okay because we can still science doesn't have to grapple with the you know the the great old ones or or, or you know or, or, or the the sort of the the pandimensional lizard people or whatever because <laughs> yeah um yeah uh because we can just say that that they're not real um because we don't perceive them you know we don't perceive these things normally and like i'm really you know, for the record, I'm, I'm, as with almost everything, uh, supernatural, I'm deeply kind of agnostic about this stuff. You know, I don't know enough to make a call either way. I I will not be, I will talk about whether or not these entities are real, but I, I, am not, I can't commit, you know, uh, even though I've had some fairly wild perceptions of things, but it's, it's, yeah, I think it's all part of that. All of these things are sort of are there underneath and it presents that sort of challenge for us. And, and, whether it's to do with, you know, different perceptions of time, different, you know, to kind of back to, you know, to vaguely try to get back to the point that, that I, I have a faint recollection of trying to make um, was that we've, you know, we perceive the world and we perceive time in a particular way. And, and, yeah, so maybe maybe when we lose our sort of normal everyday perceptions, maybe we are, you know, it's tempting to say that we're having a more real, You know, we're perceiving a more more, more real version of of reality. Uh, But maybe you are, maybe you aren't. Like, I don't think that we're in a position to say that for sure. I mean, it feels really real. Yeah. uh, But so does the, so does, so do the things you experience without psychedelics. (laughs) Um, So it's, it's, um, it's a difficult call to make, but it's really interesting. And I find like the, you know, uh, I get, you know, I, I I don't know how to, I mean, I'm it's not my specialist, so I don't know how to settle kind of the metaphysical questions, because I'm not sure that anyone can. But it's also really interesting to watch people who want to, um, you know, if you're if you're really fair about these things, and if you're really intellectually honest, and if you put, you know, if you think that a lot of the basis for our knowledge is what you know is it's empirical, it's what we experience, it's what we see, you know, um, then you have to kind of be you've got to be, you know, a bit open minded about what's happening and, and you know, um, you know, yeah, like normally you know, you know, we we can all see, you know, the car coming down the street or whatever. So it must be there. You know, um, that that means something, but you know, like when you see something that other people can't see at the time you know what does that mean does that does that just you know does it mean it's literally not real or does it just mean do we just have to kind of find a different label to to put on it um you know again it's like how our language you know yeah back to you. we're really like it's really ingrained in us that that uh, things that we all perceive <clears throat> are more real than things that Only you know. We only perceive ourselves. We only perceive uh, for particular particular bits of time under particular circumstances. Um, I mean, the things that we all perceive, like the car coming down the street, are you know often more practically useful um, than than you know my lawn furniture getting up on wandering around the yard or something like that. You know, right. Um, yeah, right' as, as as great as that was um uh you know being able to see moving objects under normal circumstances is much more useful for crossing the road uh so there's like you, you know it's important to, to remember the practicality of, of of everyday life you know but uh i don't know i don't know how to kind yes. of un, unpack some of these things because these i just i just don't feel like you should just instantly write things off uh as, as just it's you know it's just hallucination it's just this it's just that we you know if you're really honest you know maybe we, we don't know
0: yeah no how can you know you know there, there's yeah. so many there's so many great annals of history that talk about seers or sages or jinn or demons or angels or saint john of the cross or the talking bush or you know, there's all these things in life, in our history, at least that I I feel, in a way, really curious about, and I I think it's really fun to read about them. And you know, it's I find the the more I can reach into the historical events, or the more time I spend in the library, the more rewarding my psychedelic trips are. And a while back, I had the great fortune of talking to a gentleman that was that was um he's the president of the Julian Jane society and Julian Jane wrote this book called Julian Jane's and the origin of consciousness. And it's a really fascinating book. And in that book, he began talking about his ideas of language. Maybe you're familiar with them. And his idea was that, you know, on the left side, I think on the left side of the brain is currently where Broca's area and Vernica's area are. Is that accurate? Yeah. Okay. And so, Julian Jaynes posited the idea that when during the times of the Homeric verses and all these great poems that orders would talk about, those poems today are thought to be metaphors for anger, like Apollo coming down. That was anger. It was a metaphor for emotions. But Julian Jaynes said, "No. In my opinion, the voices, the voices people heard." like Apollo or Aphrodite or these gods, these metaphors of emotions, they were not, they weren't emotions. They were, in fact, voices that people actually heard in their heads. And he's done some work with schizophrenics that said there's a corresponding part on the opposite side of the brain to Wernicke's area and, um, uh, gosh, dang it, the, the other, I can't think of the name of it now. But he said that there's a corresponding part to those parts of the brain on the other hemisphere. And that much like a much like a schizophrenic today, hears a voice. People back then would hear a voice and they would do what the voice said. And the way he backed it up, it was he did some work with schizophrenics and he asked he would talk to the schizophrenics and say, why is it that you do what the voices tell you to do? And the schizophrenics would say, well, look, you don't understand it. It's like it's like someone's this close to your face and they're shouting at you, telling you, you must do this thing. And only after you do that thing does that voice go away. And we know in modern behavior today, at least in the Western culture, when you're when someone's this close to you, like you're probably going to be in a fight or it's probably somebody whispering. But it's definitely a very emotionally charged moment when someone is that close to you. Simultaneously, was he talking to the schizophrenic where he did brain scans and he could see these opposite Parts of the brain light up when the schizophrenic would say the voice is talking to me, and so he's done like a lot of. I highly recommend the book to everybody listening. It's called Julian Jaynes and the Origin of Consciousness. And I may not have described it as accurately as the book does, but it's really well done and really well researched. And I I recommend everybody doing it. That that you know just explodes the idea of language where we are today and some of the thoughts we have on it. And I think it 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 rhymes a little bit with what may be happening in the psychedelic experience. Maybe we are ha- hearing these echoes from a different evolutionary point where we, we, we process language differently. What do you think? Is that? Yeah. Look, I think
1: that's, it's, it is. It, it's, it's plausible. Um, it's polite way of saying, I don't know. Um, <laughs> no, no, I think it's, I think it's entirely plausible because you have, you know, how our brains develop just across our lifetimes, like it's so heavily influenced by our, you know, our environment, you know, our language and the structure of our, you know, maybe not the structure of our language, but you know, but like everything that we're kind of, our environment has a huge, because I mean, our brains, particularly, you know, when we're young, they're so malleable. So we have so much neuroplasticity when we're, when we're young. Um, we have more than we think when we're we're old and psychedelics can kind of, you know, re-kick start that I think. But <laughs> yeah. um but certainly um you know you think about that and then you think about so you kind of have these these you know impacts just in how your in your environment, how you're raised. But um you have you know maybe over even over a sort of a few thousand years you can kind of I guess the combination of, of changes in culture and a slight change in, in, in maybe even a slight change in genetically, not that I think yeah. there's, there's been a lot, you, it's it's possible. Yeah. I think again, people don't understand how the much of a, a difference kind of your, your context, your environmental context, and even just, I mean, and again, in the area that I'm, I'm more familiar with, just your language has on you. Yeah. Uh, I think, um, it's, I mean, maybe, like, experimentally, it's not necessarily as big a difference as some people have, have kind of theorised in the past, but it's like the, the things, you know, I mean, I, again, thinking we're going back to, to sort of Homeric sort of era. Yeah. You know, things where people talk about, about things, it's, you know, talking about the wine-dark ocean, you know, because, like, the colour, like, you just, it wasn't just, it wasn't, poetic it was the color of of wine and the color that that classical Greeks called the ocean like it was the same thing and now we have to try and go well look did they did they see them as different did they did they see them as different colors or not like some people are like well no they literally it's the one word for you know the this and that so they literally would just look at you know, the dark-coloured ocean and and, and, a, and a cup of, of, you know, dark red wine and go, yeah, it's the <laughs> same colour. What are you talking about? You know? um, and, you know, if it's possible that that it has that kind of, like, just, I mean, we know, we know scientifically that that have that, that the receptors in your eyes can tell the difference between those two colours, but how it's interpreted in your brain and how you, like, how you like all the cognitive processing that that happens where you really see, which is in your brain, not in your eyes, you know, um, that can be very different. So I think something like this, yeah, look, it's, it's, it is possible. It's possible, you know, possible that the kind of, there's bits of our brains that we haven't, for whatever reasons, that we haven't, you know, they don't have the same role or they're not doing the same thing or functioning the same way that maybe they did, you know, 5,000 years ago. Ten thousand years ago, um, maybe maybe there is something kind of that you 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 wake up and that that gets connected to that it doesn't usually. But um, like it's 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 so hard to establish scientifically. It's really hard to kind of establish of that because you know uh, because we don't have someone from the past to do a brain <laughs> scan on, um, which would make it which would settle the whole question really yeah. really easily. But um, yeah, we're not we're not at that. That point but it look I think it's I think it's possible whether it's the same thing or whether it's um whether it's something different uh or something new it happens um and I think you know I think the you kind of can't escape the the comparison um to you know these kind of non-ordinary states of consciousness that people can experience without psychedelics. Yeah. Know, for whatever reasons, whether it's it's due to something like schizophrenia or whether it's just, you know, um, it's it's dreaming or not having enough oxygen or having too much of precision or, or you know or, or whatever. Like this, um, yeah, I think it's I'm I'm a big fan of, of approaching it with an open mind, I think is is my where I like to stand on it and go, well, you look know, we, we don't know. Sometimes all you can say is what's happening now. Sometimes you yeah. can kind of and and but um, and not, you know, don't extend things too far. I mean, science is you know, you can, We can theorize stuff, but in the end, like science is, it's all it's based on what you can kind of observe. Um, and and some stuff, you know, like the brains of, of like like, you know, the original Homer's brain. We can't we can't do a scan on it, so we can't we can't settle the question that way. Um, And then other things are just things that that really just defy observation at the best of times. Yeah, like like everything we know about pure maths or ethics or or things like that. You know, you can't, there's some stuff you just can't observe your way out of. Um, And so whenever, when we kind of approach these questions sometimes it's just important to keep those things in mind lest we, you know, I don't, you know, let science kind of start throwing its way around in areas where it just really can't because you know, if you can't yeah. observe anything, you can't do a science. You know, you know what I mean. It's
0: it is. Let me ask you. I want to. I'm going to jerk the hard. A little, a little, I'm going to jerk the wheel a little to the right over here. Yeah. And sure. I have a language question for you. Can you think of a time where a civilization or a culture with a small alphabet has conquered a culture with a larger alphabet?
1: hmm that one is that's that's mm. uh look going back historically like and and most of my historical knowledge which again you know is secondhand due to studying philosophy yeah. uh you know i don't know, I, I, know. I, I, i'm not i'm not a history major you know um, <laughs> um look it sounds pretty plausible that said um, again you know how do you depends on how you define language when the Egyptians you know kicked a lot of ass for a while yeah, you know but, yeah. but conquered by the Romans now was the Roman alphabet more than than the kind of collection of, of hieroglyphs that that yeah. Egyptians used um, no, you know, no. I, I don't know I don't I don't I'm I don't think it was more modern kind of uh, the closest example in modern day to this might be something like um, if it were the case. And again, this is where where, where where this sort of
0: falls down, I guess, is that. Like a Sapir-Whorf uh, kind of a theory.
1: Well, yeah, look, it could be. And I didn't want to mention Sapir-Whorf <laughs> because I know this is like a, this is a
0: People get really like I, can get really fired up about. Um, I don't but, know why. Like why? Who? Let like, we can talk about it just fine. Like what is it? Like it seems plausible to me. Like it seems plausible. That's all I'm saying. It seems plausible. I don't
1: think, as far as I'm aware, I don't think scientific evidence supports it to the extent that that the original claims were were. So, um, for safer Wharf. but. Um, But language does, you know, it it sets it's so much easier to think about something when you already have the concepts and the words for it. Yeah, it's so true. And and, and languages have different ways of expressing relationships between things. So, um, and I I used to have a bunch of these examples, but it's been so long since I've talked about it, I can't remember all of them. But I know that in different languages, like we think about objects in particular ways and we describe things unlike this particular kind of concepts, but other languages may you know, the kind of core underlying concept for things might be how things relate to one another, rather than what kind of object they are, or that, um, I would have to look this up. I'm sure that there are, there my, one of my lecturers had told me about there were languages where you, you know, the kind of key concept, the kind of keystone concept wasn't objects, but processes. Mm. So things that are really, deep in language like that, I think could have, uh, maybe they have a big influence on how you see the world, Right. or maybe they don't. Like, it's really hard because part of what's difficult in this is that, like, a lot of what's happening in language, you can kind of think about it like things can happen in, in language, in language groups, you know, or like linguistic, well, what I would say, linguistic communities. So you have a, a you know, people who, sp- who speak a language and you think about them as a kind of, as a group, but in reality, like in the modern world, they're never really, linguistic communities aren't, they're not isolated. And because of how language, because of how language, because language is a cause and effect thing, uh, once, you know, groups, groups that didn't interact, you know, before they're interacting now. So while you might have two groups of people who speak different languages, there's interaction and influence kind of going both ways, you know, because we we, you know, because we live in an interconnected world. And um, and why that's difficult <clears throat> things like things like thinking about the influence of language and safer war from these things is that as soon as like you can there can be a bunch of people who speak a language and they don't have contact with anyone else who doesn't speak their language but as soon as we discover them like where we've made contact with them we're influencing them where um, you know you would have such a short time to kind of test some of these theories before the fact that we're even there at all interacting with these people ruins the experiment mm. because we're just just by by you know as soon as any communication passes between you know two groups that have previously never met Then um, the isolations over the language groups start influencing each other. You know, words, ideas, concepts start going backwards and forwards, and um, you know, uh, you know, concepts change, meanings get re-grounded into different things, or things get renamed, or yeah, you know, colonized or or conquered, and and then a different way of what might have been a different way of seeing the world. You know it can get lost Um, so it's kind of hard to settle these things because the 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 only way that you could settle some of these things scientifically is to have people kind of lots of people speaking different languages with these different underlying concepts isolated from each other so you can test them but like the reality is that we don't really have that anymore Um, and we don't or we don't have enough isolated linguistic groups to kind of generalize from you know can't just have you might might find one lost tribe, you know. Um, and I use the, the term with real hesitancy because I'm aware that carries a pretty yeah, kind sure. of like colonial uh, undertone, you know. Um, but there might be might be a group of people who are lucky enough to have been isolated from the modern world, um, or unlucky, depending on how you see it. Um, but um, you know, as soon as as soon as the interaction starts, then um, a bunch of stuff that we kind of that People, you know, that things like the warfare, you know, hypothesis might have said something about. As soon as that contact happens, um, you've you've lost kind of the opportunity to really settle uh, that question.
0: I yeah. Think, yeah, it you know, it's so interesting to me. Like I, when I start thinking about language and concepts and interaction and colonization, and you know, you you had mentioned that as soon as one linguistic group comes and talks comes into contact with another one, all of a sudden there's this interaction between them. I was talking with a and a Native American Indian friend of mine, Dan Hawk, and we were talking about the, this time when, you know, in American history, we had this thing called Manifest Destiny, where we just came West and slaughtered all these people. And, you know, at some point, there's a great book called Black Elk Speaks. And in that book, Black Elk is talking about the time where the white guy came over and told the Indians, like, we want to buy your land and the indians like you can't buy the land like that the land belongs to everybody you dummies like you can't buy it like you know but the 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 european mindset was different than the american indian mindset it was it was foreign to them like this idea we're going to buy the land and like pff, good luck good luck no one can do that but they did do it and in some ways like i think it's important for us to understand the linguistic knots sort or of the linguistic cultures or the virus that is language you know and we can look at it hey what happened in the past can't happen again and when, when i think about that i think about like carbon capture or i think about and i, I talked with dan about this because this idea that they could buy the land was so foreign to this group of people and it seems like today Like we're in this idea where you can buy the air. People are like, we're going to buy all the carbon in the air. But it's like this imaginary thing. Like it's not, it's not that it's imaginary. It's that you can't see it. So it's invisible, even though it's not invisible. If you had a microscope, you could see the carbon in the air, but you and I can't see it with our naked eye. But isn't it weird that like people want to, they want to charge you for the carbon or the same way they want to buy the land. I guess the point I'm trying to drive at is that language on some level, if you speak a language that another group is not thoroughly understanding of, whether it's contract law or buying the land or pricing carbon or or all these concepts, like you could very easily start taking advantage of people by using words in a way. And it seems like that is one thing that never goes away. If you look at the history of language, like is, is I've heard people say that maybe one of the reasons we began to speak is to lie. What do you think about that kind of concept?
1: Yeah, look, I think uh, I think look, I think all of this is 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 completely possible. I, I think look, what you're describing in terms of, of differences in, in languages and differences in culture, and they're kind of in some ways the same thing. Because if you understand yeah. language well enough, to understand because you don't just learn a word. You like to really understand it. You need to understand the, the concept. And and right. when someone has a concept that you don't, um, like that's where that's kind of the that's the deep level of, of you can know what a word means. You can remember. You can memorize a bunch of words from another language. But can you but, see
0: it in your mind? You know, right? Unless you
1: you have a, a you know the concept of it. Um, one of my friends would always. I've had a couple of people tell me you know, you know that you're really making headway with learning a language when you start dreaming in in, ah, that, in that, that language. So wow! I never heard that. What people have said to me. But um, but yeah, the um, yeah, you can. mean, maybe you're a little bit. I mean. Maybe you're at a disadvantage. Maybe you're at an advantage sometimes by not knowing some concepts. I mean, it could be down the mm. track that, that, you know, uh, I don't know. Uh, it's yeah, it's hard. Of, I have yeah. to get a bit science fiction when I think about making up the linguistic groups that we've had no previous contact with now. Um, but, you know, in the, you know, um, today, the, some theoretical, you know, possible future where, where, you know, highly improbable aliens, you know, break the laws of physics and turn up here uh, on Earth. Um, then you know, um, yeah, maybe maybe we'll be at a disadvantage because we're like, hey, you know, do you know, you guys do you want to buy something? And they're like, buy? You're talking about, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, and maybe you know, maybe we'll be the ones at a disadvantage because we, we'll be like, hey, we you know, we'll, you know, do you want to? Do we need to? Do we? are going to rent you a parking space for your, your, your ship or something? You know? <laughs> uh, and they're just like, you guys are morons, yeah, no, um, <laughs> But you know, like, so this is, but yeah, that's definitely, a, I think, a thing is where you don't, I mean, you're when, when someone's talking about something, it happens between language groups, but it happens within language linguistic groups. Uh, and again, to kind of to jump back to, to Wittgenstein, there's a thing that he talks about, uh, which is language games, and it's not mm. that they're, they're games in the sense that they're a thing that we do, and that there's like there there's, there's there's rules like you decide the rules for a game and they exist kind of within language as well maybe for particular words or but within particular kind of circles and and so something like like you know when if you don't know much about about the law and you start talking to a lawyer or the police you know and like they 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 know the rules of, of really? the game and, and you don't and when you don't know the rules of of the game of the, the language game that you're in you can very easily find yourself in real difficulty, um and you know again one well, that sadly that's probably pretty relevant for a lot of people who are interested in psychedelics. But you know you <laughs> you know that's that's a thing. You know, like they are <clears throat> they you don't you know you you, know, you can hear the talking. You might even think you understand the words, but you don't understand the moves that they're that they're making in the game and all. And and you know there was well, late in his career, Wittgenstein I thought that all language kind of functions like that, that, you know, there's nothing more to look for than just kind of the rules of the game of how people use words or how people, use, you know, how kind of concepts fit together. In any case, yeah, I think that that, that sort of thing is, so I think it's it's, it's plausible. There was something else now. You know what? I can't actually remember what your other point was. There was another question <laughs> I was going to try and answer, and it's just gone. Um, That's all right. I, like, I just lost it trying to remember, you know. It's uh, fascinating. Quotes from long dead philosophers. But, yeah, like it's, you know, this, this stuff does make a make a difference. I'm still I'm still in the back of my mind trying to think of a, uh, an example from the, the alphabet thing, but uh, I
0: can't. Uh. <laughs> okay, what what about this? What about sometimes like when I take a high dose of mushrooms, like I'll hear voices, like or or you know that sometimes I'm all over the board. But so th- Francis Crick had this interesting idea about panspermia, and for those who may not know, panspermia is this idea that a that a alien sort of civilization just dropped out all like these seeds off another planet and this they're impregnating the the eggs of the earth like think of the think of the planets like an egg and a sperm hitting an egg and think of maybe the asteroid that wiped out the dinosaurs is a sperm hitting an egg and all of a sudden now it's it's changing and whatever but so what about the idea of mushrooms or fungus being the alien and when we take mushrooms we hear the voices like what what if mushrooms are the alien what about that one what do you think about that
1: well look you know um <laughs> i mean it's true that fungi are a very you know distinct and different form of life um you know, again i think it's look it's a cool idea like it's a cool idea and it's the i read a lot of, of science that, fiction I read, I, <laughs> don't get me started don't get me started that is the that is the, the thing if I could have made it as a writer I would have <clears throat> um but you know um I you know I I don't think I, I can but as I, was, I just my my uh my dad and and one of his brothers uh uh utterly utterly you know sort of obsessed with science fiction through when they were young so so I grew up in a house that just had shelves and shelves of of classic golden age pulp science fiction like other kids are like you know you know reading uh you know goosebumps i'm right. reading like i'm reading like asimov's foundation <laughs> you know, so, so i'm all i'm all about this i love stuff. it which i love the, it you know which should know, me use a lot of anecdotes in my my essays as a student where <laughs> my teachers are like what or, or correcting like the couple of creating writing creative writing classes I did where I knew more about science fiction than, than the teacher did. But anyway. <laughs> um but yeah, look, I, I think that I'm I'm familiar with panspermia and, and these these sort of ideas. And and I'm familiar with the idea of 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 mushrooms, you know, being this kind of alien species or an right. alien technology. Because, right. like, because it's like, well, you know, that's a that's a I mean that's very advanced, but it you know, it's it's it would be very clever, wouldn't it? You know, we we will make up this we'll make up the species, you know, we'll have it, um, throw it onto the, onto the earth, wait until, the wait until all, you know, the, the hairless monkeys down there are smart enough to actually put in their mouths and stuff, you know, so they can tune into the, uh, to the wavelength that we're broadcasting, you know, um, the uh, messages. It's a great story. (laughs) Um, uh, is that what's happening well how, how can we possibly settle that question um we are we are a long way away from my, you know i mean i theoretically theoretically you know you, you can start to think about how you might settle this question like when we if we had the technological capacity if we could build a device that could then that could you know i i can, I can take some mushrooms take some tea hear the voices, talk to the interdimensional beings or whatever. There you go. Sure, you know, it's it's private, right? It's private experience to me. Like I can have that experience. Someone else can have a similar experience and we can talk about it and that's a really important kind of cognitive and linguistic thing that happens. But in the end, like all personal experiences that happen to you, no one else knows exactly what happened to you because you're the only one who has the experience. Now, if at some stage we can build some sort of technological device right. that that can without that can you know kind of publicly tune in to the right wavelength so I can just I don't have to take a bunch of mushrooms or, or you know or vape some DMT. I can just you know uh fire up you know my my you know the the app will fire up this device and, and we can just chat to the interdimensional beings interdimensional beings that way. Like <laughs> That's the kind of thing, like, well, that's public. That's happening. We can all stand around and go.
0: There it is. We did it. There it it is. is. (laughs) Shit, you know. um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Like like that, that would settle, that would settle. Like that's the kind of thing that would settle that question, you know. Um, But are we... Like if such a thing were even possible and, and it, you know, let's be honest, it might not be because none of it might be real. <laughs> <laughs> for okay. starters, you know, or even if it was like, that's a really, that's a really, uh, that's the kind of thing that there's just like, we don't even have the words for the technology that it would be advanced enough. If that story were true, we don't have words right. for the technology. that's advanced enough to do that. Um, it reminds me of, um, I don't know. I don't know if we were talking science fiction. Did you had you read um, uh, much by there's an author he hasn't published a lot lately. Um, a. 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 Anasia, his mm. um, hey. last Legends of Earth. Um, uh, there was a bunch of books that he wrote back in the eighties.
0: Yeah. It doesn't sound familiar. I'd have to see like yeah. a cover to to know. Uh, he, um,
1: Really i you know, absolutely worth reading his stuff. He's really, what? really great. I'm gonna um, write it down. What's it what's his name again? Uh so he used to, he would write under hang on, I just have to double check the spelling. Okay, yeah. A A A A double A double T A N A S I O Okay. Anyway, he's 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 a great author. He's also a really lovely guy. nice. Uh because I just at the end of my one of my degrees, i then near the end of my PhD. I like we followed each other on Twitter and I just wrote to him because some of his books that I really profound and just, just said, hey, look, I just wanted to write to him and say Last Legends of Earth, like just, like it's just something that's really sort of stuck with me and, and that I go back to a lot. And we had you yeah. know, this long email conversation about about things. So he was a really nice, nice guy. You know, just, to, just to respond to just some random yeah. person from the internet, your books are great, you know. Yeah, that's <laughs> and, awesome. You know, a lot of authors would just be like, whatever. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, in one of his books, um there is kind of and this is kind of bound up in a whole storyline so I don't want to spoil too much but um uh, kind of central to some of these stories are the the ideas that I'd sort of talked about before where you know you kind of look at the universe from this kind of four-dimensional perspective and and but having devices that can kind of tap into uh or, or sort of observe this four-dimensional space in this way and interact with with Beings and entities, you know, sort of in that kind of context of the story. Great story, you know, ridiculously advanced uh, um, technology um, that we just don't have. But, but, but again, you know, but but would you know uh, would settle a few questions if we did uh, have it. Um, But yeah, look, I'm not I'm not against the 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 you know the alien fungi idea. (laughs) Um, But if I'm, you know, honest, um, you, you know, if you're going off the available evidence um, and you kind of, you know, I want to be a real sort of buzzkill and break out Occam's razor and just, (laughs) you know, and and you're going to go, well, look, there's probably like a simpler explanation that is more consistent with everything else that we know, which is just that, you know, absolutely these things evolve, but also like, this is again this is like part of, is an important part of, of seeing science for what it is and what it isn't and going well look this is the, the the best explanation we have right now is fungi evolved along with everything else you know um and it just seems improbable to us that they evolved that way because like you know we just maybe that's maybe the improbability just seemed it just seems surprising to us because we don't understand enough about life you know um and that's that's you know that's reasonable based on what we know right now. But you know, 10, 50, 100 years if we make it that far, um, you know, um, it might seem very different because you know it's it's um, you may have to reassess these things. And, and you know, look maybe there's some sort of break point where if enough people have these experiences, um, uh, and you know, we have, you know, maybe we'll, we'll think of it, there'll be someone will have an experience and they'll they'll ha- have they'll you know put together a different enough concept that um, we'll we'll think of we'll have a new way of approaching some of these things um you know or maybe we won't I, 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 but i mean it's not that's not implausible because you think of i mean one of the things i always go back to i can't remember the name of the person i always remember the story of the person who who discovered the structure of benzene rings right <laughs> that was a thing like the person who discovered that was literally had a had a dream like been trying to solve the trying to work out what how how like what was the the, the actual structure of benzene rings. Like they knew the sort of how many atoms, which were kinds were in the chemical, but they at the time people didn't understand of just like the geometry of how they fit together, how they worked. Um and the person whose name escapes me right now who who discovered this, yeah, the, the story is that he he had a dream of of like, you know. Might, might have been like six women dancing in a row, or something very symbolic of that, and then based on this dream of you know the six figures um, went right, you know, benzene, you know, it's it has yeah. this shape and this is how it works. So like sometimes, and then know, yeah, then that goes on to be real science. Right. I had this dream. I thought about it, this. Seems plausible. We checked it out, and it's true. So you know, you can sometimes you can kind of have these these wild sort of things that then feed into um you know that give you the inspiration to look somewhere where you where you never thought to look or try something you'd never thought to try and you know create like a major breakthrough in chemistry or physics or something else you know so like you know you don't know you know again what are the what are the effects of if you have enough people having the experiences do you just kind of every time has one of these experiences is this raise the chance that some kind yeah. of really wild breakthrough will happen. Um, yeah. or or is it you know or is it just that all oh, these experiences um you know are they more powerful are they no more powerful than than just kind of i don't know they're just uncovering the weirdness that we just kind of have simmering underneath anyway
0: uh i don't know it's fa- you know what it brings up this point like this idea of the epiphany this idea of having boom those benzene rings you know or we hear about it quite a bit and i'm reading this book right here it's called a. Uh, it's called Non-Things. This is a really good philosopher. Let me move my cursor out of the way so people can see. Um, it's Young Chulhan. This guy has gotten so many cool books and so many cool ideas that I find myself, whenever I get some extra cash, picking up one of these books and just going through it because it's really fascinating. And in this one, he talks about non-things. And it just so happened— when you started talking about Benzing and people having experiences, I thought of this boom epiphany. Like that's, that's the idea that I get. And he writes about this little paragraph that I want to share with everybody. Cause I think it's really something to think about. The experience of presence is brought about neither by the vision of the starry night, nor the majestic booming of an organ. Rather the source of wordless delight is a combination of trifles in such epiphanic, Epiphanic moments, the human being enters into a new and hopeful relationship with the whole of existence and begins to think with the heart. The epiphany includes moments of deep peace. The narrator longs for a a thing language in which mute things speak to me and wherein I may one day have to justify myself before an unknown judge. When one pays more attention to things, one forgets oneself loses oneself when the ego gets weak it is able to hear that mute thing language and in psychedelics we talk about ego death And i think it's a great point to think about when the ego gets weak one forgets oneself he goes on to say the experience of presence requires exposure to vulnerability and he says that without a wound i ultimately hear only the echo of myself. And I think that psychedelics allow us to get away. When we talk about ego death, you know, the ego seems to be this thing that only allows for the echo of ourselves. But when we lose it, then we can see the the language. We can hear the mute things. We can have the epiphany And it. It sounds to me, whether it comes in a dream or whether it comes from a, a whole lot of psilocybin and you watching a tree and talking to your avocado tree or watching a slug or you know whatever it might be i i hope that more people get the opportunity to be alone with themselves to have the ego death whether it's through meditation or psychedelics but i hope more people get to have epiphanies and get to come up with ideas like benzene rings or fungus being an alien or more of these awesome ideas that i think are just as important as real science, you know. So that's what I'm thinking about. I I'm coming up on a on a hard break here, Sam, but I'm having an absolute blast with you, my friend. And this is really fun. Thank you for being here. Is there? Yeah, hey, look, it's- sorry, guy. <laughs> oh, I was just gonna say, um, we I'm gonna have to ha- you're gonna have to come back on because this is way too much fun. I have a group coming up. Maybe you could join the group. We can oh, all get yeah, together. Awesome. Okay. And so before I before I have the out, what what do you have coming up? Are you going to be speaking anywhere where can people find you and what are you excited about
1: well um i am i have look i have no plans to be speaking anywhere anytime anytime okay. soon what do i have coming up um i have uh you know just just uh mainly look it's just uh trying to get the wheels turning at the the australian psychedelic society um so if you are in australia please look us up to google australian psychedelic society we're like the first result we're really easy to find um and just you know, sort of running, uh, just just keeping that going because we're always doing. We're doing, you know, we do film screenings. We've recently done a, a series of. We screened um, Dose Two up and down the, the coast in partnership with filmmakers. Um, we have. We're always yes. We're doing. We do that. We do book clubs. We do get together's. Um, where are um, the big thing that that's kind of coming up um, that I've been working on in partnership with another organisation. Uh, and Theogenesis Australis is a big uh, psychedelic and plant medicine and fungi conference in early December in Melbourne um, that I've been contributing to. So I'm, I'm flying down for that. That's what I'm excited about. What I'm really excited about yeah. is that it's a conference that I'm going to and I'm not speaking at it. I'm really excited by that because I, you know, I'm a real perfectionist. If I'm giving a presentation somewhere, I will absolutely not enjoy anything that happens until after I have given my presentation. I've done a lot of academic conferences over the years, I and mean, like, it's worthwhile. But I, you know, I, I don't know. I, just, I find it—I put really high expectations on myself, and I find it stressful. So I'm really happy to be going along, you know, helping out. I've been helping uh, edit the, the conference proceedings for that sort of uh, coming up to that. So that's that's in December. I'm really excited about that. If you are in uh, uh, in Melbourne. Um, the tickets for this are quite hard to get. What I was going to say was that our Melbourne chapter is doing a trivia night coming up, and one of the prizes in the on the trivia night is a, a ticket to to the Garden State's conference. So um, that's that's something to watch out for. Really, look at the moment. What else do I have going on? Um, like in my personal sort of uh, business side, I've been helping uh, out the, a bunch of different things. Um, I'm part of a group of. Uh, ethicists and and uh, facilitators who are working on some issues in some ethical issues around like psychedelics. So I'm part of a of a group called Epic, which is you know the ethical ethics and psychedelics international community, um, which is I guess looking at that's a whole discussion by itself. But but looking at kind of helping people yeah. work through some ethical issues that come up in psychedelics, um, I've been helping out. Um, the uh, five organizations. So it's uh, there's a group uh, based in Mexico who are, are doing a lot of work with Five E O DNT and uh, helping them out with some of their content, some of their educational content for their uh, facilitation course that they have coming up. Yeah, like a, a, a bunch of things. But no, this is this is the first time I've, I've you know I've talked publicly for a while because I've just been really busy uh, right. doing true. other stuff. Um, I, I, but you know, I would love the opportunity to, to, to do more. Um, and uh, yeah, like I'm, I'm always happy to come and talk about this stuff. As you may know, once I get going, I will talk and talk and talk. Like, uh, <laughs> I, 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 you know, it's really cool to, to talk about this because people want to know about, they want to know about things about, you know, the nuts and bolts of psychedelics and the obvious psychedelics. Or they want to talk about ethics, which is like, I can talk about. Yeah. I've taught like professional ethics at uni for 15 years. Like, I, I know a, a little about it. Um, and I, and I've had enough contact with the community to know about you know, things that are happening and, and issues, but like, no one ever wants to talk that language. <laughs> and so this is, there's been, you know, really, really, uh, cool language and science fiction. And science yeah. Language, you know, science
0: it's beautiful.
1: conversation ever, you know, um, yeah, uh, but, but no, that's, um, so that is, that is kind of the rest of December for me is getting some of those things across the line, um, Know, helping out getting the garden states you know i said getting the garden states conference across the line it's it's like it's my pl- my role and what's happening is mainly done but i'll still be traveling down and you know uh, seeing all my, my, my friends you know from around the country getting together for that and uh you know spending some time manning our our, our information table there and, and stuff um and then you know in january you know really i'm really looking forward to doing in january is basically nothing um <laughs> uh, and you know then i guess i will start up my um you know my my pursuit of paying uh clients you know you know which is you know that is the thing that is what it is uh um you know i i, I can i can write about psychedelics and people people will happy to pay me to do it and you know that's there are worse ways to uh, to make a living. Um, but yeah, uh, that's kind of where, where I'm at and what I'm doing. Um, I'm terrible with plans. i like, people will say, well, what are you doing now? next week? Oh, I don't know. That's like, that's like a week. Yeah. Week, you know? <laughs> Completely contradicting everything I said about time earlier.
0: <laughs> it's either here or there, right? It, it's it's just, there. It's- and if it's not here,
1: you know, whatever, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm possibly too good at living in the moment. You know? Um, yeah.
0: It's awesome. It's awesome. So, I'm going to land the plane, but hang on a second. Cause I want to talk to you afterwards. So ladies and gentlemen, go find, go, I'll put some links in there for, I think I put this, uh, uh, the psychedelic society link in there. And I got your LinkedIn profile link in the show notes. So if people, you want to reach out to him, please do so. Oh, I lost you right there. Please do so. Check him out. Interesting conversation. Interesting guy. That's all we got for today. Perfect. Oh, I lost you there for a minute.
1: Yeah, you did. That was totally my fault. I on my-
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. I'm going to land it right. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for being here. And like I said, reach out to Sam. He'll answer your questions, and he's got a lot of great advice. So that's all we got for today. Um-